Well, good morning. I am so glad to be here with you today. Uh, as it was mentioned, Allison and I uh, and the boys, we live here in Medina. Um, when we moved to uh, when we moved to the area, when we took Wadsworth a couple of years ago, we really wanted to live close to, to the church in Wadsworth. We tried to look at houses, and man, it was just, I, I mean, I can't even imagine buying in today's market. A couple of years ago, it was tough, but today it's even harder. If you've done that lately, I feel sorry for you. If you've sold in this market, I, you know, I'm, you, you're probably very blessed right now. Um, but we just, we kind of struggled the fact that we couldn't find anything in Wadsworth, and we ended up in Medina, and, you know, we, we used to say stuff from the pulpit, like, hey, don't tell anybody I said this, but we've got this thing staring at us now, these cameras that keep track of everything we say, but we like living in Medina more than Wadsworth, so uh, we really like it here, and uh, I pray for you as a church often. I drive by this church every, every day on my way to our church, and uh, I, I pray in your parking lot a lot. I like to sit and pray in parking lots here and there when I'm commuting back and forth, when I need a little break, and uh, so hopefully that's okay that I stop here and pray. I always take some time to pray for the church and for Pete. Uh, Pete's become a great friend of mine. Um, I really, I hope he thinks the same. Uh, but we enjoy each other's company. We pray together monthly. We try to eat some food together every once in a while and solve all the problems of the world. And yet still here we are, right? So uh, this morning, this morning, um, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. Um, and so I always like to put the text out there front before we get into too much introductory material. And so if you want to find your way in your Bibles, or if you want, you could do it on a phone. And then if you want to watch Pete preaching at Wadsworth right now instead of listening to me, you could do that and nobody would know. Uh, so he's probably a little ahead of me since they, we started about 1030 over there. But, uh, you know, somebody just asked me why, you know, why a pulpit swap? We just, uh, we hang out together. Uh, we spend time uh, talking about sermon ideas and you know, you got, we'll never let all of you know, but Pete preaches some of my ideas and I preach some of his. And um, we just a few months ago said, hey, let's do this. We were going to do it around the zone and Orville and Doylestown, we're going to switch places this week and something came up and we weren't able to pull that off. But uh, I, I love to pr- get to preach in different places and I love to have other speakers come and speak to my people as well. So what a great opportunity for that to happen. I had a boss that used to um, make a comment like, well, you know, there's only one person that ever walked on water, referring to the fact that maybe we're not the son of God. And I would always be quick to remind him, no, there was a guy that did that other than Jesus as well, right? That Peter walked on the water and we missed that. And we, Peter, uh, you know, Peter often gets a tough go around in the Bible, doesn't he? I, I mean, uh, and, and hopefully Pete doesn't get a bad rap here, right? We hopefully he doesn't get a, a I, I just couldn't help that seriously, I didn't even think about it till I sent Pete my text. I'm preaching about Peter and he's preaching out of Peter at Wadsworth. So I don't know, it's, it's Pete week, but, um, but Peter, he gets the bad rap for not wanting to let Jesus wash his feet. But he reacted in such a manner because of his high regard for the savior. He, he gets remembered as the disciple who cut off someone's ear, but he was the only one defending Christ. He gets a bad rap for, defying, or for, for denying Christ when so many of the others had scattered. We condemn, condemn him for sinking because he took his eyes off of Jesus, but he was the only one that got out of the boat. Only one that got out of the boat. It's so easy to point the finger at the one that fails for trying something while the rest of us sent dormant, uh, just waiting for something to happen. So where, where's our context in our text today? We're immediately after the feeding of the 5,000. I think it's so important when we're looking at anything in the gospels that we recognize where we are, what's just happened, and maybe even where we're going. Um, because to me, I think about, um, you know, 
I don't know about you, but when I read the Bible, I always say stuff like, I would have done better than that, right? We would have eaten the fruit. We wouldn't have denied Jesus. We, we are top-notch Christians and we would have been right there, even though most of us balk at doing things that are far, far easier that God asks us to do today. But hey, Jesus had just fed 5,000. By the way, that's my favorite image in the Bible and I do have them ranked in order to a certain degree. I love the thought of people seeing food appear out of nowhere. Wouldn't that have been incredible? I mean, somehow, some way, somebody saw food appear out of nothing during that time. And so you just watched someone do this um, who you're still maybe trying to decide whether or not he truly is who he says he is. And then they go get in the boat. So let's, let's pick up our text there in Matthew chapter 14, and verse 22. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he sent the crowds away. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone, but the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked onto the water and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him and said, you have little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind stopped and those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, you are certainly God's son. Hey, can we bow our heads this morning? We're gonna pray as we just go into a time of teaching and understanding the scriptures. Lord, you're so good to us. Holy Spirit, would you come this morning and renew all of our strength? God, we're so worn out in this season. We're so tired of, of all the stuff that's going around us, all the noise we have to hear, all the things in politics and the news and the pandemic. And God, we just pray that you would bring us deliverance from these things quickly. But God, in the meantime, we pray that you not let these things be such a distraction that we take our eyes off Jesus, the author and the completer of our faith. You're so good to us this morning, Lord. So we pray that you help us to receive that which you would have us to receive. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. I know growing up, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid, and I know growing up that the primary message that what came forth from, from this text was keep your eyes on Jesus. Because don't be distracted by all this stuff. I mean, the no, number of Southern gospel songs that we wrote about keeping our eyes on Jesus and Peter walking on the water, I mean, it's phenomenal. I, I'm gonna run back through this text just real quick and kind of do it in a bullet point fashion here. The disciples were afraid because of the storm. I mean, they're out there. They, they think they're going to die. I, I was just reading uh, my Bible. Pastors read the Bible. I hope you know that, even if not, just not for sermons. I was reading my Bible this morning and I was reminded of the fact as I'm reading about Paul's journeys that they tried to avoid being on the water, right? That like the water was a scary place. They didn't have 120 horsepower. They didn't have a coast guard. They got out there and something happened. That might be the end for them. But they're afraid because of the storm. It's compounded by the vision of a ghost. Jesus says, take courage, it is me. Peter asked for a sign. He said, Lord, call me into the supernatural. That was his prayer that day. Lord, call me into the supernatural. Jesus called him. He asked for the call. Jesus called him. And moments later, he lost his faith. How many know today that sometimes when you answer a call, it seems just like 
It's moments or just uh, uh, right there in that season after that your faith seems to be so challenged. Jesus confirms his lack of faith. I know that you don't have the faith that you should, Peter, but I'm still going to reach out to save you. Aren't you glad that God's good? And even when our faith is lacking, his grace is sufficient for us. Jesus overcomes the storm. Wow, isn't a message just in that one, one thought? And then they confess that Jesus is Lord. And so with this passage in our minds, I wanna to talk to you this morning about learning how to get out of your boat. Learning how to get out of your boat. And there's another one. I, I think, you know, Steph, is, she, she just talked to us this morning between songs. There's, there's something else you need to get through. There's something else that we need to, to go through. In the Old Testament, we, we talked about this at Wadsworth last week. In the Old Testament, Faith was not necessarily accounted for by just doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, we've all heard the, the cliche statement, just because someone sits in a garage, it doesn't make them a car. And just because someone goes to church, it doesn't make them a Christian. Faithfulness certainly can be the, the, the repetition of doing something over and over again. But in the Old Testament, we talk about those pictures of great faith. It was those who answered the call to do something that they didn't understand that they had never done before. I love that we say Abraham had the greatest faith of anyone in the Old Testament and his reward at the end of life was that he was just asked to give up his only son, right? Not too bad. Do we have that kind of faith today? Are we looking to kind of slide in across the finish line? How do we get out of our boat? What can we learn from Peter's adventure and walking on the water that will help us take our next steps in our walk with Christ? The first thing that we need to do is understand the supernatural, we need to recognize that the supernatural often, maybe we could even say always, some could argue always, the supernatural often opposes our natural tendencies and understanding. What do we do with the fact that so much as Christians, we, we learn to be thinking people, we learn to discipline our minds, to not be conformed to the things of this world, and then right in the middle of, of trying to do things the right way, God says, I want you to do something that's completely off your radar. Beyond that, you will often be reminded by others that you don't know what you're doing. The places that God has asked me to trust him the greatest has been the places when he's called me to do things that I wasn't an expert at. We could look at the parallels between something God might be calling us to do and what Peter decided to do that day. You can't walk on water. Everybody get that this morning? It, you can't walk on water, right? I, I just thought about the fact and I didn't, you know, didn't bring anything with COVID. We're not using a lot of props and illustrations. But if I would have put a clear bucket of water up here, two or three feet high, I could have tried over and over and over again to stick my foot in there. And if at any point I would have tried to stick my foot in, it wouldn't have went underwater. All of you would have looked at me like something crazy was happening. We all understand that it is completely impossible. And I ask you this this morning, as we think about what it means to step out of the boat and that God still does the impossible, are you still believing this morning that God does impossible things as far as it relates to human understanding? You will look foolish and get wet. How about that this morning? I mean, how many just, just think about getting out of the boat? Peter's just gonna look like a fool. They were calling him names. They were probably swearing at him a little bit, however you do that in that language. What are you doing, man? It is dangerous, and the boat's the safest place to be. There's gonna be people that remind you when you're trying to take a step of faith that where you currently are is just a safer place to be. And, or this is a good one, you're putting too much faith in that call. You're putting too much faith in that call. The, the next thing, maybe, that was one of our quicker thoughts this morning. The next thing we need to understand is that our boat is going to sink. You know that? 
Uh, Just decide what that boat represents in your life. I mean, at very least, if we just wanted to kind of be quick and to the point, we've all been given so much time on this earth and our boat (laughs) is going to sink into the ground in a physical sense. But there's something you're holding on to. The tendency in the storms of life are to hold on to that which is most familiar to us. That's our tendency. In fact, um, I'll, I'll do this, you know, as a visiting guest, there's two things I should always, as I should always do as a guest speaker, I should remind you that your pastor is due for a raise, even if you just gave him one, and that you should continue to give to the work of the Lord. Church experts tell us that in 2020, giving would go up during this pandemic, and in 2021, it would go down because people would first try to buy their way into heaven in 2020 when all this is going down. Then in 2021, they'd hold on to it tightly because they started to lose faith in what God might do. The tendency in the storms of life is to hold on to that which is most familiar to us. This is the very time that we should escape from those ideas which have brought us a false sense of security. Many times our boat, uh, our boat are filled with ideas of dependency. Perhaps they are unhealthy relationships. Maybe it's a certain amount of money. Areas where we can work in our expertise or chemical dependencies, perhaps even drugs or alcohol or excessive amounts of food. In our churches, what worked in the past and was seemingly good, think of different ministry ideas, but attendance could be dwindling or programs and classes that are familiar continually yield less results. A healthy spiritual perspective would understand that while Peter seemed to be taking the greatest risk, he was actually going to the safest place that he could. Anybody, I don't know if you saw the movie Titanic. Did you see anybody going, well, I'll just hold on to the boat a little tighter. But I wonder how many times God looks down at our, at our faith and says, why is it that as something's falling apart in their life, they just keep holding on to it more? No, they were going to abandon a ship that was no longer going to bring that security that they thought they once had. In the most difficult times in our life, in our ministries, in our families, the closer we get to Jesus, the better off we are. We want to realize this morning that you're going to go alone. You know, in my notes this morning, I put you will often go alone. That's what the board says. Let me just tell you this. If you're taking a great step for Jesus, you will go alone. At the beginning. At the beginning, maybe not, uh, maybe not all, all the all the way, but in the beginning. Do you guys do you remember when Elijah he went and beat up all those prophets of Baal, and he he left and he he went off the water and he's sitting there going, oh "God, just kill me, just kill me." You know, it's been two days since you've sent down fire from heaven. You're probably not going to work anymore. I'm the only one here. God goes, "No, I got some people waiting for you." I got some people waiting for you. I have a friend, pastors a church of about 1,500, and I was talking to him one time. I said, I've got this idea. How do I get people on board? He goes, did God give you the vision? I said, yeah. He goes, man, when that happens in my church, if I can get one or two people to back me up, I feel like we can maybe actually get somewhere. You will often go alone. Many are called, but few will answer. If God is calling you out into the deep, into a greater step of faith, you will most likely become frustrated by the fact that others are not following with you in the great adventure. Even though, even though they are seeing God do something incredible in and through your life. Let's get back on the boat for a minute, okay? Let's, uh, boat's getting ready to flip over. It's flooding. They pretty much know death is imminent here. They think they see a ghost. Jesus confirms that it's him. 
one of the guys, the crazy guy, right? Peter's the crazy guy all the time in this, these stories. He gets out of the boat and he's not sinking. He's, he's walking on the water. I, we don't know everybody's on the boat. Let's just go ahead and say all 12 disciples are on the boat just for, for conversation's sake this morning. They stayed in the boat. What on earth? Can you imagine? You're sitting in a boat. Somebody gets out of the water, starts walking. Well, that works for Peter, but I weigh about 25 pounds more than him. You know, Pete, Pete started swimming lessons. You know, his dad's been a fisherman his whole life. He probably learned how to manipulate that. Man, I missed my chance. You know, there, I saw kind of an opening in the waves and Pete got in right there. Church, how often do we sound like that? Man, God did it in their life. He's not gonna do it in my life. God did it at that church. He's not gonna do it at this church. But God wants, it, is it not his will that all would come to repentance? The Bible tells us that, that it is his will that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. But somebody else is gonna lead my neighbor to the Lord, not me. The church down the street will invite them to come to something they're doing and, and, and I'll, it'll be okay here. You'll go alone. Like I said, at least for some time, we find that the 11 would change their mind later on. It will be life-threatening. Stepping into the supernatural will be life-threatening. Yes, it, it wasn't any longer safe on the boat. There's still that facade. There's still that belief that there's something secure to hang on to. But answering a call into the supernatural to follow Jesus, it, it will cause us to sacrifice our lives. Sacrifice our lives. It has been said that to die for Christ might be a, a more simple matter in comparison to living for him at the level of surrender that he asks us to do so anyhow. As you think about seeing the supernatural come to pass, think beyond your life being threatened and realize that maybe your pride will be threatened. Maybe your agenda will be threatened. Maybe your ideas and your rationale will be threatened. Your agendas, your traditions, your taste and preferences. God calls us to sacrifice all of these things for the sake of the call. Jesus expected us to lay down everything that's involved in our life to follow him. Jesus said, you will lose your life for my sake, but then you will find new life in me. And finally, when you're scared to death, you can rest in the fact that he has called you. If the master of the wind calls you into the waves, the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail against you. You will step out of the boat and against all odds, you will define the natural laws of this universe and he will cause you to do great and mighty things far beyond your wildest imaginations. He promises us that in Ephesians 3.20, that anything that we could think or imagine, he wants to do something that's so big and so much more powerful than that, that we can't begin to measure. I can't even begin to tell you the miracles that I've seen in the last couple of years just since we've been here. I really wouldn't, time wouldn't allow us the things that we've seen that have blown my mind as just time and again, we've tried to lean in to what God would do if we answered those places that make no sense to us. I started, um, I, I've been in ministry for basically my whole life, but I started my career, if you will, as a lead pastor about seven years ago. God's called us now to two churches. We've interviewed at different churches, but we've been called to two churches. The first one was in Thornville, Ohio, and the second one was in Wadsworth, Ohio. And in both situations, we had never heard of the town. I mean, we, we had absolutely never heard of the town. In fact, when the, the South Central Ohio District Superintendent had me in his office, he said, what do you think about taking a church in Thornville, Ohio? I said, sure, where is it? That's what I said. We had to look Wadsworth up. Do you know how many times in my career I, I had a business life, you know, before I got into ministry? The number of times I had driven by the Wadsworth exit and 
Again, I, I love Wadsworth. I love Medina. But, you know, there's just, if you're driving from Columbus to Akron, there's not much of a reason to get off at the Wadsworth exit. And there was, I stopped at 76 and 3 a couple times to get a Coke at Hardee's, but that was about it. But I'm looking it up and going, man, I, I think I might know where that is. But what are you going to do? It might not be geographical. For most of us, I don't believe it's geographical. Most of us live somewhere and we have a job and we raise our families. And so even more so for us, a lot of times answering a geographical call is one of the easiest because that's a way that we're saying, God, I'm taking a step of faith. But what does it look look like to take a step of faith right where you are? Where God's not saying, I want you to move, but maybe I want you to move in a different way. What if God asks you to do something and you say, God, that's unfamiliar to me. I've never heard of that before, but you just know it's him, right? I just, I feel like there's some mature spiritual Christians here today go, I don't know how to explain it, but I know it was God. There's no doubt in my mind, he was the one that was speaking to me. Expect the steps of faith that God calls you to take to be something that was not at all on your radar. So be willing to take that step and then stay focused on Jesus. Do you know the biggest thing that's upset me more than anything? I don't watch the news. I don't have Facebook. Some of you probably already tried to find me. I just, you know, you know what? In case you're going, man, I don't know if I could give up Facebook. Or I don't know if I could quit watching the news. I need to stay in tune. I'm going to free you of that today. I promise you that the people around you will still keep you informed enough of the important stuff that you don't have to be in all that mess. My staff is good about coming in every week and I hear them talking about something. I go, oh, I should probably figure out what that is. It sounds like people in general are paying attention to it. But here's the thing that's really upset me in the last year more than anything. The church has taken her eyes off Jesus. Took her eyes off Jesus. I'm not, I'm not calling out Medina or Wadsworth or Orville or Rittman or any individual in here. I'm just saying we've spent so much more time talking about the waves and the winds than we have the master who controls them. You know, if you wear a mask, you're a fearful person, right? Somebody take that out of context real quick and understand that I'm not being serious. But we get in arguments about that. Well, you're being foolish or you're not respecting other people or you're being fearful. Here's the difference between faith and fear here this morning, aside from everything I just talked about. Faith is remembering that God is in control. Fear is believing that someone else is. Faith is remembering that God is in control. Fear is believing that someone or something else is. He's still the master of the wind. He's still the one that appoints authority. He's still the one that controls every disease and famine and and natural disaster that takes place in this world. We have to stay focused on Jesus. The beauty of God's grace this morning is that even if we lose focus, Jesus will not let us fail. Christian, the more and more I follow him, the more I'm just overwhelmed by his grace that even in my shortcomings, he keeps coming through. He keeps keeps bringing things to pass. It's, we, right, if you've heard this story enough, it's not the size of the storm, but the size of your God in the storm. Lord, save me. What would you do today for Christ if you knew that you could not fail? When Jesus calls you, he will keep you. No matter Peter's decision about what, he was, uh, about what he was going to do or how he was going to focus on Christ, Jesus knew that the two of them were going to walk back to the boat together. Isn't that wild? Jesus knew that the two of them were going to walk back to the boat together. When you answer a supernatural call, God will bring supernatural resources, finances, people, rest, healing, and fellowship. Whatever it takes for you to accomplish his will, he's a good father and he will provide for you. 
I told you I have uh, certain illustrations in the Bible and I have them ranked by my favorite images. And this story falls as number three for me. This is my third favorite image in the Bible, Peter and, and being out on the, on the ship. And, and so I told you number one is feeding the 5,000. Number two would be the story of Jericho. You know, I know the song tells us that the walls came crumbling down and that's how we learned it in children's church. But just about every translation I can find, it says the walls fell flat. And so I don't know if you've ever thought about that story in that way, that those walls actually fell flat because that's what scripture says, not what our children's song taught us. But the very thing that, that that city depended on to protect them, to take care of them, was the very thing that destroyed them. Wouldn't it be scary if we're holding on to something like that in our life? But this image is, is phenomenal to me, and it's become, it, it moved into my top three after a trip to Lake Erie. Now, I need you to participate with me here for just a second. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you raise your hand, and then if you still qualify you leave your hand, hand raised, right? You know, like that thing where they say, have you been married for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years? Who in here has been out on Lake Erie before? Out on Lake Erie. Okay, now remember, I'm, I'm from Southern Ohio. Leave your hands up. I'm from Southern Ohio, so this is a new adventure for me. Who, who, to their knowledge, has ever been out on Lake Erie in four footers? Four footers. Anybody know what that means? Waves, okay. If you, anybody in here been on Lake Erie in six footers? Anybody in six footers? Anybody in here been on Lake Erie in eight footers? All right, so the first time I was out on Lake Erie was in eight-footers. I'm, I'm serious. We have a professional fisherman at our, at our church in Wadsworth, and he said, hey, I want to take you out on the boat sometime. And everybody knows the water can turn like this. Like, it just, it can look calm, then it can get crazy. And my dad and my, he said, if you want to bring anybody with you, and I thought, man, my dad would love to fish Erie. He always talked about doing it. He didn't get, he never did. <laughs> and after that experience, probably never want, want to again. But my brother and my dad came up the night before and, and Frank, the, the fisherman I was referencing, you know, I think he, he kind of felt this obligation. My brother and dad, if, they, if he would have said the water's too rough, they wouldn't have went out. They would have said, no big deal. We came up and, and visited family and be okay. We were walking out to the boat that day <laughs> and somebody else walked by us and said, good luck. I'm going, okay, you know, I'm trusting Frank. I don't know anything about the water. And for the first 15 minutes as we drove out to the spot, I remember just, I really did. God, God saved me. Yeah, I'm quiet. I'm trying to act confident. I'm trying to act normal. My brother and my dad are just hanging over the side of the boat. Just all breakfast was gone, right? They just didn't survive at all. But I couldn't stand up in the boat. When we got to a place where we stopped, by the way, I'll show you the picture. We still caught a bajillion fish that day. Like Frank's an unbelievable fisherman. But I couldn't, I would have to put my foot against this and my foot against this to grab the pole, to stand up long enough to reel it in. Then I'd hand it to somebody else and I'd fall back down because it was just so crazy. It was just so nuts. And, and it, it was worse than that that night. The whole boat was full of ex, expert fishermen. But, and, and by the way, it's night, right? Like I think that makes it a whole lot worse when you can't see the next wave that's getting ready to hit you in the face or, or, or what you might be running into. Only one out of the 12 thought jumping out of the ship was the right thing to do. I'm really glad that he did. I'm serious. I think many of the, these moves, you think about this, the move that Peter made that day has inspired Christians for hundreds and now even thousands of years to take a step of faith when they didn't believe that they could do what they needed to. His one step inspired hundreds, thousands, millions as time would go on. One of the greatest lies the enemy tells you is that it's not going to make a difference it will make a difference. 
it will make a difference. When God's whispering in your ear about that next thing that you need to do, about that next step that you need to take, it's going to make a difference. It might not in that moment. You might look, I promise you, you look like you're gonna sink. Uh, my, my wife is married to a guy that likes to plant churches. They say it's the best thing you can do to try to end your marriage is to plant a church. Worse before it gets better. Harder before it gets easier. Sometimes it costs almost everything you have before you see the reward. And we know those examples are throughout scripture and many of us have lived those out in our own lives. God is calling us to step out of our boats. 